This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 167 of the Staple Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Equestrian Collections offers the whole universe of shopping at your fingertips. Shop online at equestriancollections.com. The Barnworks, marketing and more for the equestrian professional. Plus, Kentucky Performance Products. Find them at kppusa.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, where weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hell, high water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable School. Stable School. Stable School. This is Coach Jen. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Welcome, Jen. I'm so happy to do a show with you again. Heidi Hody. We, uh, we're, we're off playing the cats away, so the mice are having a good time this week. Glenn's <laughs> not with us, is he? No, he's off doing grunt work today. That's you good. Know. Maybe it'll humble him a little bit. Well, it does tend to take the wind out of his sails a little bit because the kind of grunt work he's doing today, he has no audience. <gasps> that's awful. Yeah, and that makes it a little tough on Glenny Glenn. So that's, uh, that's like putting a pony out all by yourself. And you take an audience away from Glenn, it just it right. does deflate him, doesn't it? It does. So um, I suspect there will be repercussions later in the day that will most likely involve either baked goods or M&M's. Oh, <laughs> or both. You or can both. Put that in your baked goods. <laughs> M&M's in the baked goods. That's even better. <laughs> hey, have... you know, you know what I had the other day? Just to be off topic, I'll play. I'll play like I'm Glenn. Yeah. Um, went to a hunter pace last weekend with Beaker. <gasps> you rode and, in it? Yes, and I had a lovely time. It was wonderful. And they had a because it's a hunter pace, and hunter paces are generally associated with. Hunt clubs, which this one was, was put on uh, by the Woodford Hounds, and they had picnicking afterwards, of course, and they had pumpkin chocolate chip cookies. Oh my! Oh, oh my God! <laughs> they were wonderful. Pumpkin. Okay, so tell me. So, were they pumpkin flavored, or were the chocolate chips pumpkin chocolate? Well, chip? they were. Um, the cookie dough. You know, when you make a chocolate chip cookie, it's just a sugar cookie dough base, and then you add chocolate chip cookies to it, or chocolate chips yeah, to yeah. it. Um, it was a standard sugar cookie, and now well, it wasn't a sugar cookie base. It was a um, what we always called bread cookie base, but it's a cookie dough base, just generic, sweet, a generic crunchy, cookie, generic yeah, cookie. Yeah. But part of the wet ingredients are replaced by uh, pumpkin, like you would make a pumpkin pie with, mm-hmm. like a can of pumpkin, and that's what part of the wet ingredients are. So it's got the texture of an iced cake type cookie, and then you add chocolate chips to it. It was pretty yummy. That does sound pretty good. And I'm thinking of some other things I'd like to put in there, like maybe some nuts or um, some white chocolate, maybe. <laughs> All the things you can do with pumpkin guts. <laughs> yeah, pumpkin yeah, man. pumpkin pumpkin innards. I innards. wish we had an oven because I that's now that's something I would actually try to cook or try to bake. Yeah, that sounds so good. It's so tempting that uh, we're yeah. soon we're we're working on the oven part. Hopefully, the, that's going to be our late fall winter project: is getting the kitchen done and putting an oven in. I have great news. I met yeah. with the surgeon yesterday, and I am twelve weeks post operation, so I'm at three months, and I have got the clearance to ride. Yay! I know, I know, I know. Now, in, in, <laughs> who are you going to ride? <laughs> I know. <laughs> His, my surgeon's eyes did bug out of his head a little bit when I asked the question, so can I ride? And, uh, you know, he said, yes, just, you know, you have to be careful dismounting and no heavy stuff. So I can do walk, trot, easy stuff, not a lot of half seat. Not yet. No. We no. still have some, some healing yeah. to do. But So I can ride a bike. I can do yoga. I can 
lightly jogged to my comfort level, but uh, no sports sports like, you know, I can't play soccer or lacrosse. See, you're so much better a healer than I am. You're 12 weeks post, and you can do all that stuff. I'm 22 years post and still can't do it. <laughs> That's because you waited 10 before you had the surgery. Well, yeah, there was probably that, too. And I didn't get, I got exactly zero rehab. Exactly zero. That's I had a big one, deal. one follow-up visit, and he said, okay, you're good. See ya. That was well, how, how long ago did you have the surgery? 1983. Yeah, they've learned a lot since then. Yeah. <laughs> PT is half the problem. Yeah. yeah. And yours was meniscus, which is yes. really, that's very challenging to rehab. That's harder than the ACL. Now, it doesn't sound like it should be, though. It doesn't the ACL like just sounds really serious. Well, it is serious in that um, it's, a, it's a key item in your mm-hmm. arsenal, in the knee arsenal. <laughs> Um, it's it's only used in very specific circumstances, whereas your meniscus is used all the time. Pretty and, much, yeah, that's true. And it's it 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 um, is a pain generator. So if there's something wrong in there, it'll generate a lot of pain. So that can severely limit what you do. I didn't know knee. that. Yes, I didn't know it was a pain generator. Then you would think that if there's less of it, there would be less pain. But that's not no. the way it works. No, no, no. Bone <laughs> on bone. Bone pain is one of the most it is the most excruciating pain. Oh, gee, only. thanks. Sorry. <laughs> but that's why so many people have problems with arthritic knees. It's why it is such a limiting factor because it's, you know, it's not just a bunch of gunk. And our horses, too. It's not just a bunch of gunk that's in there. It's gunk that creates pain. Yeah. And before you know it, you start to change your gait to accommodate this. And Yeah. Oh, and one more, one more off-topic thing. Um, yes. And then I guess we'll have to get serious and get down to, down to business here. Um, you may have noticed on my Facebook page that uh, Dr. Wendy Ying, our good buddy from over there on the driving show, uh, stopped over and gave Beaker a once over. I wanted to make yes. sure he had yeah, I wanted to make sure he had a clear bill, bill because I've been jumping a little bit more and mm-hmm. um, he just has had some wonky things in his neck and his pole and I thought, well, let's make sure that there's nothing that's going to get worse by jumping him little jumps or bigger jumps as the case may be. And uh, she gave him the once over and said, "Yeah, he's got some stuff out of whack, but he's fine." And uh, he was such a good boy, and um, she did the chiropractic on him. He had a, two, two spots in his neck that had to get fixed up in, in his jaw a little bit, and he was very cooperative about that. And Beaker is, he's not a spooky horse by any stretch of the imagination. I think I could count the number of times he spooked on my two hands. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's always alert. He always knows what's going on, and it's more of a curiosity alert than a scary alert. He always wants to know what's going on, and he's into mischief. A little bit pie-like that way. Yeah. And uh, she's working on it, and I'm, I'm kind of watching his face to see his reactions and stuff. And his lips are pursed like he just ate a lemon. They're tight. Yeah. And I said, you know, it, I just never thought of it before, but I have never seen Beaker hang his head and relax and have flappy lips. I'm sure he does when he sleeps, but I've never seen him do that ever. Even when he's just kind of hanging around, he's always eating. He's never just relaxed. He just eats all the time. Um, and he almost got flappy-lipped when she was doing. She did um, a laser therapy across his croup because he has one side of his pelvis needed some work. And uh, she was doing that, and she got about halfway through it. And I said, well, what does a horse feel when you do laser therapy? I don't know. I've never had that. She said, it feels warmth to them. That's what they're feeling on that side. Um, Texturally, they feel warmth, and it's just getting the muscles and stuff. And he almost got loose-lipped. It was very nice. Oh, wow. And this is over the croup where she did the laser therapy? Yes. On I I can't even begin to understand it all because I was picking her brains, and she was telling me all about the different parts she was manipulating and why and the the tendons across their spine and why some of them get stretched out and some of them don't and all this stuff. Why, when they compensate here, they get sore there. And um, one side of his croup needed some work on it. The left side was in good shape, but the right side, obviously there were some things issues and she manipulated things and said, see how this is uncomfortable for him, right. which was very obvious when she did it. Cause the one side she manipulated and he was fine. The other side, she did the same thing. He wanted to kick her kneecaps off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> again, Ouch. an unusual behavior. <laughs> he said, Don't do that. Um, so she did the, the laser over there. And at first he was very guarded. What are you going to do? Cause he, they don't trust it. It's like, it's, you're going to do something to hurt me because you're a vet. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. You're a vet. You're going to do something that hurts. And by the time she got finished, she's going, oh, you're cool. You scratch my ears. You make my butt feel warm. I love you. <laughs> and then we got the flappy lips. Just a tiny little bit. The, the bottom lip just, just relaxed a little bit. The top stayed pursed, but the bottom, bottom relaxed a little bit. So she's going to come back next week of follow-up because with chiropractic work, you frequently have to revisit several times to get everything to stay where you put it because it's been out of whack for a long time. Right. This, and this is true with humans as well. You know, yes. And your muscles, you, your muscles sort of create this mold. They mold around the bad structure of your, right. your spine and you kind of right. have to, yeah, and, you have to fight that. Follow-up. So I'm very curious to see if he gets looser-lipped. Oh, you know, well, you'll just have to pop in next week on Sable Scoop, even if Glenn is back, because I would really like to follow this. I think this would be an interesting mm-hmm. uh, update to have. Yeah, it was very interesting. She explained to me why there's the differences between chiropractic and the results she would get with the, the laser that complements the chiropractic that can be used in conjunction with the, um, what's the needles? Oh, acupuncture. Acupuncture, Yeah. I wonder if they have acupressure, too, for horses. They have to. We need they to have, have to. Dr. Ying back on, I think. I think we need to have Dr. Ying back on. Because yeah. I think Beaker would be a good um, example for her to talk about all these, these alternative treatments. Yeah, she, and right, she's so you, good at explaining it so that it makes sense to those of us who have never had a college course. It, it, <laughs> she is. She's very articulate and enthusiastic about it. That's why I'm thinking oh, it would yeah. be nice to have have her back on but we and i would like to pick this conversation up again toward the end of the show because i I just would but we actually have a guest coming on we're going to talk to um a a fellow who's running a not a very well-known clipper company but a fabulous clipper company and we're going to talk to in just a minute kenan lauby of uh kim lauby company and uh, that's we're going to hear very quickly uh, from one of our sponsors, Equestrian Collections, and then we're going to get right into the Lauby interview. The fall season is upon us, and it's time to start thinking about your horse's blanket again. Perhaps it's even time for a new one. Well, Equestrian Collections has an extensive range of blankets for all weather conditions, featuring more than 20 brands, including the popular horseware choices of Amigo, Rhino, and Rambo models. Hundreds of options and competitive pricing mean Equestrian Collections is the place to go for your turnout needs this year. Don't wait for the real nasty weather. Be ready now with a brand new blanket at EquestrianCollections.com. So welcome, Kim, to the Stable Scoop Show. We're very happy to have you here and to learn a little bit about uh, Lobby and the, the, the clippers that hopefully we will find in every horse barn around the United States. Welcome. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here. So tell us who who is Lobby and when did the company get started and what exactly is it that you guys do? Uh, Kim Lobby and Company is a uh, company that started out in the clipper business and uh, we started out about 35 years ago or more uh, dealing with uh, clippers, servicing them, repairing them and then we saw the need for making clipper improvements and so we made uh, some improvements uh, that we consider to be quite quite exceptional in the clipper business, particularly to the professional or the serious enthusiast, uh, is what our clippers are designed for. And what is it? Now, I don't hear, I haven't heard the name Lobby in the horse world very much. Are you, who's your primary market? Well, we have, uh, we, our primary market is dealing with uh, professional grooms, uh, professional groomers. Uh, we, we do have uh, many customers uh, in the horse business. But it's typically uh, those that are clipping, you know, several hours a day, like for a living, uh, or those that, you know, clip quite a few of their own horses. Uh, we do with much with the dog grooming business, veterinarians. Um, and so we, we have quite a diverse uh, animal business, but primarily dealing with the professional and the serious horse enthusiast. And there's people that are going to be clipping quite a bit. And, and our machines are designed for that environment, eight hours a day, you know, this is what they do for a living, you know, uh, five days a week. Uh, and, and so that's what our all of our clippers are designed for. The The difference between most of the companies, I would say, and, and, and the way that we view things, we separate trimmers from clippers, and uh, it is a difficult area for some of the clipper companies to define or for people to understand what is the difference. And you won't really find a printed definition between uh, clipper and trimmer. It's um, it, It's kind of a fuzzy line. But we make a pretty clear delineation at Lobby Company for 
you know, the difference between clippers and trimmers. And what is that, that delineation? Well, what we, what Lobby considers, what I consider to be a clipper, is when you take a look at a machine that's out there, you know, that you're, maybe, maybe a consumer's looking at, and you look at the clipper blades itself, and if the clipper blades are interchangeable with other brands of, of, uh, of clippers that are out there, that's typically what we would throw into being a clipper. Uh, trimmers by uh, manufacturers, such as a Lobby, we typically have the clipper blades are not interchangeable with any other brand of uh, uh, trimmers that are out there. The trimmer blades are exclusive, and you can only get those from, for example, you know, our trimmer blades. You can get those only from Lobby. So those are fairly exclusive to us, whereas the clippers kind of have a very uh, wide interchangeable blade selection that several manufacturers will make uh, I've got blade. it. I've got it. You're going to hate this, Alina. What? Trimmers are the apples of the clipper world. <laughs> Everything is proprietary. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much trimmers, the, the blades are only fit their machine usually. So, and um, But the heavy-duty uh, clippers designed for you know bulkier clipping are typically interchangeable. But now, get, now, let's say bulky. Would you say it like sheepdog bulky or like, you know, fuzzy pony bulky? What, how do you define bulky? Well, uh, in other words, for, for taking down serious coats, for example, horses have about uh, 4,000 hairs per square inch. Uh, and so when you take a look at dogs, dogs have about 40,000 hairs per square inch. Wow. Uh, and and so you know as you as you look at the different animals now see when you get into human clippers this is some of the common mistakes that people that have horses make is they'll you know they'll typically go into a store uh, you know maybe a big box retailer for example and they they look at a, a human clipper over there looks pretty smart pretty sporty and they go oh, I'll just buy that and I'll start you know shaving down my horse but human clipping human hair humans have about 700 hairs per square inch. And so clipping human hair is, is a much easier task. And so when they try to take a human clipper and they try to, you know, shave down a horse, for example, they're going to come into a lot of frustration because the machine hasn't been really designed for that. Uh, and so at Lobby Company, what we have is all of our machines are really designed for the heavy-duty usage uh, so that they can shave down horses, uh, you know, matted-up old English sheepdogs, uh, horses that have, you know, thick winter coats. Uh, all of our machines, our clippers, are designed for that type of purpose. So what we do is, with clippers, for example, uh, some of the ways that a consumer could benefit is by looking at the speeds of the clipper. Ooh, this is a good one. This is very confusing stuff here. Pay attention, yeah. listeners. Okay. Yeah. okay so so the speed of a clipper, what we typically will find out there is if they're looking at a clipper that they want to shave a, a horse down with, the speeds of the machine typically range about three to 4,000 strokes per minute. Uh, at the Lobby Clipper Company, we run our clippers at about 10,000 strokes a minute, um, and that allows them to have a much more power, powerful stroke in going through the hair. It cruises through a lot better. Uh, we have our customers tell us it helps keep their blades sharper much, much longer. In fact, we've got customers tell us that it helps keep their blades up to 10 times sharper uh, with the Lobby Clipper because it doesn't slow down, doesn't bog down. So, so uh, we have in the speed and the overall speed of the project. So you're not making two or three passes. You you can actually get a good clean pass in the first try. Yes, exactly. Well, what's happening is you you don't have to make several passes, and also too you're not allowing the blade to jam up. It's going so fast that it doesn't allow the blade to jam up. And what happens when the blade jams up is that costs the consumer more money because then the blade you know you're just jamming hair in between those teeth and then it begins to dull the edge of the blade. Whereas when you got the high speed going there. It helps to uh, slice the hair before it gets all jammed up in there and keeps it sharper longer. Okay. So, Quick. Mm-hmm. I told you this would be the confusing section. Sure. <laughs> I warned you ahead of time, Kim. No problem. So you have strokes per minute is how fast the blades go. That's correct. Now, is it like an automobile where torque is involved in that the faster the blades go, the less torque there is? Does it work that way with the, with the motor for a set of clippers as well? Or can you have really fast blades that also represent sufficient power? Do they have an inverse relationship like an automobile does? Well, there is. Uh, in other words, uh, for example, if you can relate it to automobile, which I think is a good example, it's kind of like you could have two vehicles. You, know, you could have a, a great big uh, heavy-duty truck, let's say, with a big V8 engine in it. 
uh, going down the freeway at 70 miles an hour. But you could also have another vehicle that you'd have a little four-banger, a four-cylinder engine there going down Careful, the freeway. Careful, I have one of those. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> now we know oh, why sorry, you're frustrated, you, right? <laughs> <laughs> you needed power. Yes, I need to put one of these clippers in your, under your hood and go faster. <laughs> I would go faster, you're right. There you go, there you go. That's it. See, it's, uh, they look like we say when it's uh, more than a hobby, clip with a lobby. Yeah, yeah I'm going to uh, drive one. Go ahead. 10,000 strokes a minute, that's it. If it's, if it's doing 10,000 strokes a minute, it's a lobby. That's it. <laughs> now that that's the thing is is you can you can go down the freeway you can hit seventy miles an hour with a little four cylinder but you may not have as much uh, power behind it and so uh, with the lobby clippers I know that's one thing we do have is we have uh, we have some larger motors uh, for example that give it you know a more torque behind the speed and on when they're going to be plowing and when plowing is like when say they've got a bunch of horses they've got to do body clipping on and you really want to do that then we'd recommend they get the the larger size lobby clipper because they'll be able to do that with ease uh and then but we do have smaller lighter ones uh, because these are the considerations that anyone that's going to be doing clipping will consider is the weight of the clipper how long they're going to be holding it and the speed of the clipper those are things that are crucial to helping a consumer pick out the right type of clipper the slower the clipper the slower the strokes per minute probably the more frustration they're going to have, the more uh, dull blades they're going to have, the more servicing they're probably going to have. Typically, the faster it goes, the more they'll get accomplished uh, in, in an easier, shorter time period. And let's so, talk a little bit about precision, because yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got the lighter-weighted clippers, and then we've got the heavy-duty the heavy duty ones. Um, you know, we'll, one of the things that I notice in some of these clip jobs, especially, you know, the hunter clips or the trace clips, that you really want that clean line. Obviously, some of that has to do with a steady hand, but how does the weight and the power of your clippers affect precision? Well, uh, the the weight of the clipper uh, is not really going to affect much other than to cause, you know, a lot of people complain about carpal tunnel problems. Uh, mm-hmm. Professionals, they have surgery on that all the time because they're holding you know, when you have something heavy and you can get something that'll do the job better and it's lighter, that's one of the features that we promote, and it, which are lobby clippers, and that is a lighter, a lighter clipper. Because over the years, what's happened is in the clipper business, there's been clipper companies that have maintained the old-fashioned uh, clipper motors, for example, which are very heavy, uh, and and they haven't changed that. And what those old-fashioned motors have is you have a clipper, and if it has air vents, it's an air-cooled motor. And that means that it's sucking dirt and hair and debris in through the clipper to try to cool that motor down. Uh, and that's kind of what we consider to be the old-fashioned technology. Now, the new technology uses sealed motors. There's no air or debris getting sucked into the clipper. And the more dirt and debris you get in the clipper, the hotter the clipper runs. So when you keep the motor clean, what we use is we use uh, steel hardened ball-bearing motors so that they're sealed and no air, uh, you know, no debris gets in there. And the motor just runs at a nice, cool uh, operating temperature. And so that's more comfortable for the user. And you can also use a lighter motor. You're not having to use to have the big fan in there to cool the motor down. And and, uh, with technology uh, over the last uh, 20 years has been so incredible that you can get smaller, just like you have with automobiles. You can get smaller, more efficient, uh, you know, than what the older type heavy-duty vehicles were. So we use that type of technology. We also put uh, headlights on all of our clippers because a lot of the clipping that's done is not always outside, but it's in barns or it's dark. They have low lighting. So we help them with uh, more efficiency that way. And when you're trying to get a really smooth clip, I know that was where you were asking in your question there, uh, that has a lot to do with the speed also now, which, which speed? The, the strokes the per minute the of the blade? The, speed, the strokes per minute. That's okay. right. The strokes per minute. Look at those strokes per minute when they purchase a clipper. The faster the speed, typically, the smoother the clip they'll get, less choppy, or uh, as they call it, the corduroy look that right. happens. That's me. Yeah. yeah, me mm-hmm. too. <laughs> yeah. You can, if you've ever seen any of my clips, you'll know why I was asking about precision. I want something well, that does yeah, that. Yeah, and that has to do with the stroke. In other words, how wide the stroke is in the clipper. In other words, how wide that little blade that moves from the left to the right and the wider that stroke is, then typically you get a you get less of that choppy lines and tracks. And so typically with the larger, older-fashioned, heavier-duty clippers, there's not a lot of blade selection either. They're kind of stuck with those, um, you know, the, the type of teeth that tend to leave a choppy uh, corduroy cocker type of a look or corduroy, you know, clip on the, on the horse. 
And so what you want to do is you want to, you want to try to get a, a clipper that has a larger blade selection so you can get the blades that leave a smoother, cleaner finish. Uh, for example, I know in the uh, Arabian horses, they like to clip very, very close because they like to have the muscles and the veins all popping out there when they're doing their show. Uh, and so they like to clip with very precision, fine blades that don't leave a bunch of lines and tracks. And so there's machines out there, and we have been a supplier to the Arabian uh, horse world for many, many, many years, you know, the uh, the high show end. And so uh, because of leaving the smooth, clean, you know, get right down um, and, and, uh, and have that muscle look. So if they're looking for that kind of a finish, we, we certainly are a manufacturer that supplies that. So a quick question on blades, because we're bouncing all over the map here, but there's so much to cover when it comes to clippers. Oh, sure. When you say clipper selection, there are a number of um, things involved with clippers. There's the width of the blade itself. In other words, when you make one swipe, it's four inches wide. There's that. Then the mm-hmm. other aspect is the numerical designation it gets that gives you the quote, the length of the hair when it's done, like a number 40 versus a number 15. Right. 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 Now, are there, are there any other um, f- parts of, of a clipper blade like, oh, well, there's those two things, but then there's this to consider as well? Well, yes, I would say that you have, for example, the width of the blade. Now, what's happened with, with the advent of having more powerful clippers, smaller, uh, you have, like you said, the different sizes, for example. They have the width of it, and a standard width they have on those blades is about a, about a two-inch. But then you can also get the, you know, the three, uh, three-and-a-half-inch uh, type blade, which is the wider blade, uh, and on your super huge large ones, you have the four-inch mm-hmm. uh, uh, type blade width. Which is so, really but, handy when you're body clipping a horse. Yes. And yes. so when, but, but what you can do is now you can get the smaller machines that have, that have great power that, that and many times uh, is greater or equivalent to even those great big machines uh, without having to carry and, and load that big, heavy machine around that's got air vents that's going to be blowing not only in your face, because typically you're clipping it at, at you know, face level, yeah, and it's much. not going to be blowing in the, the animal's ears or face or eyes or nose, irritating them. So you can get machines that are better for both use, you know, the user and the animal, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's what we provide. All of our machines are sealed. There's no air that's blowing in anybody's face. In fact, we even have a vacuum attachment that sucks the hair up as they clip if they like. Uh, I thought that was kind of cool, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they can put that on any clipper. So. But, yeah, with the blade selection, you want to go with, I would recommend they choose ones that have a greater blade selection to get the really smooth finish, for example. That they now, a smooth finish hand. equates to a higher num- number? Is that what you're referring to? Well, the finish, uh, yes, for example, say, for example, you said like a 15. Now, a lot of the Arab uh, horses, they, they shave the entire body down with a, a size 15 blade. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can get a wide 15 blade, which is about, you know, three inches or so. And then you can get the narrow or the standard one, which is about a two inch. So That's good for nooks and crannies. Great mm-hmm. for nooks and crannies. And then okay. they use the 40 blades around the face and, you know, touch up and, uh, you know, just kind of like a trimmer. They use that 40 mm-hmm. blade like they would use kind of a trimmer, just getting the whiskers and things like that. Mm-hmm. Now, now the I have a question about the cordless kind. Do we because of course you know it's so hard to have wires draping from the barn or yet, let alone find an outlet, a safe outlet that you can use. Um, is there any is there any trade off in going cordless in terms of power or speed? Well, I know with lobby clump, uh, clippers that's not true. Uh, we we you know and we are probably the innovators in developing that technology for the cordless. In fact, that was. Some of the uh, the first smash hits that we've had were being able to get out into the uh, field and and shave a horse down and, and body shave it in 45 minutes uh, with a, a cordless clipper. In fact, that's how what we launched first was really the cordless clipper. So we are experts in that cordless field. We have clippers that also uh, run even on the lithium ion batteries, which charge up in about 10 minutes uh, and can give them hours of clipping. You know, as they rotate their batteries nonstop. So, no, there is no loss of power. Uh, it's also a safety feature uh, because, you know, you don't have to worry about the horse stepping on the cord, getting electrocuted, or biting into the cord uh, while you're clipping on it. I mean, there's a lot of safety feature there, both for the user and the animal. So we, we think cordless is extremely important. In fact, when you take a look at all of our clippers online, they all of our clippers have cord cordless feature, and we think that that is because that's really where the uh, that's that's the future. That's everybody. No one wants to have the corded feature because it just creates too many problems. Oh, it, it, it does. Where it, they can clip. I'm glad that you led this area in innovation because you know I see that you've got the lighted, you know the flash lighted clippers. You've got the cordless. 
Um, now, do all of the in, in, with all either option corded or not corded, all of your clippers have the same blade options. So no matter what kind I choose, I still have that availability of all your blades. That's correct. You know, what we've done is we've made uh, all of our clippers really interchangeable, so all the blades fit on our clippers with any of the other other uh, clippers. So they can also buy a corded clipper to start out with, and they can upgrade that to a cordless, or they can go cordless and they can add the, the corded feature if they want for a backup for whatever reason. So we have it uh, multiple ways because we know that everybody is individual and everybody wants to start out uh, different places. Uh, and so we have it both ways for them. You know, I, I, have, I have to say I'm very, very excited about learning about your company because I'm, you know, we're, we're doing this interview right now. And, of course, I'm clicking around your website and the number and types of products that you have for the grooming industry, not just for small animals, but I'm seeing a lot of crossover opportunities, you know. There's, there's manes and tails that need to be done and, and feathers for those draft horses. Uh, I'm getting a little bit excited about the different kinds of products that you have, the dematters and the de-shedders. Uh, but, we, and, you know, I could. I could do a whole show on just every one of these products. But we're going to have to wrap this up. But before we do, I have to ask you about one product in particular. Sure. Because I love the name. It's called Me Caveman. Oh, mm, yeah. <laughs> Tell us about me, caveman. Where did you find that? <laughs> this is I didn't find the me, caveman page yet. Yeah. Um, me, caveman, is um, we, uh, we wanted to come up with, uh, if you take a look at our names, actually, a lot of them are, are, are quite unique. I mean, we have, like, a dirty dog shampoo, uh, filthy animal shampoo. Um, you know, we have hairy beast. So we have some really unique uh, trademarks. And uh, one of the ones that uh, we fell in love with, um, with one of my sons was here, actually, and we were, we were trying to come up with a, a cologne. We wanted to have something that was kind of, you know, kind of uh, rustic, and uh, we wanted to have something that kind of was uh, old-fashioned. So he came up with, uh, how about me, caveman? And uh, for some reason, it just struck us as fantastic. So we, we have uh, the me, caveman. We have that, actually, in a human cologne and, uh, and in a dog cologne, and it actually smells pretty good. Well, you know, because plenty of us horse people have dogs that like to roll around in horse manure, and then those sure. dogs get in our trucks, and sure. we have to travel 14 hours with them, and, uh, you know, and, you know, too, uh, you know, some, some horse husbands, they don't always like smelling like horse, so uh, I think yeah. this is kind of something, I think, I'm going to suggest to everybody that you log on to LobbyShop.com, that's L-A-U-B-E Shop.com, and of course, we will put a link to the website at StableScoop.com. There are so many great products. Definitely start with checking out their their choices for clippers because uh, I'll tell you, Kim, you've got me convinced to to add a lobby to my collection, um, and I might even pick up some of that me caveman. So thank you very much for joining us today, and I encourage our listeners, again, to check out LobbyShop.com. You are so very welcome. Thank you for hosting us. Well, another great interview with another great company. Who knew? Oh, my goodness. I think I could have kept poor Kim on here right through his lunch hour. I know. You were getting all geeky technical. <laughs> well, it's a little bit like car shopping. There are, there are probably a dozen different things that you really have to have a very good understanding of, and then you're good to go. The rest of it's fluff. This is true. This but is- it, it takes a while to go over a dozen things. Well, I had no idea that, like, the the. Sp- the blade speed. I mean, I knew generally that the higher the speed, you know, the better or the mm-hmm. powerful it was. But I didn't know how really all the benefits of that investment. Right. Now, these are these these clippers are an investment. Any clipper is an investment. But I would much rather invest in a product that's backed up by the technical knowledge that the lobby company has, mm-hmm. you know, and and the support. It's like if I'm going to spend a couple hundred bucks on a clipper, I, I'm going to go to lobby. I yeah. just you know, I mean. The other companies, I'm, I'm sure they're fine. They've worked very hard and long to make a name for themselves. But I just feel like uh, this, it's a, like you said, it's a family-owned company, um, and they really dive deep into the technology behind the Clipper. And I love the fact that they led the way in the lighted cordless Clippers. Oh, uh, Really? I mean, you're a barn. You need to have one of those in your, yeah, your yeah. arsenal. Just and my, my, uh, do you think Kim has ever contemplated making the me caveman cologne in a car refresher oh product idea (laughs) 
product idea. I'm going to email that to Kim later. <laughs> product development, me caveman. I just honestly, my dog goes out there and rolls in it and just yeah. rolls in it. And I wish, I say this all the time. I'm like, I wish I just had like Febreze that I could spray on my dog. That's all I need <laughs> for when people pop over, you know? Yes, exactly. Yeah. We'll, we'll order you up a case. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, again, our thanks to Kim Lobby of Lobby Clipper Company. We will put links to their website on our show notes and of course on our our, uh, Facebook page. So before we move on, we're going to hear from one of our sponsors, The Barn Works, and then we're going to get right into today's tack and habit segment. If you're looking for a logo or you need to brand your business somehow, either in print, in web, online, Facebook, you need to log on to thebarnworks.com. It's a small marketing company that caters to equestrian professionals. They offer logo design, business cards, brochure development, website design, business consulting, news release writing, you name it, you can contact the Barnworks for it. Now is not the time to hold back in marketing your company. Now is the time to go out there and chase down new business. And you know what? You don't have to break the bank to do it. Just one phone call, one email to the Barnworks, and your worries will be over. We promise you that. Log on to thebarnworks.com and find out how marketing ideas that they have can help improve your bottom line. All right, Jen, here we are into my favorite segment of, of uh, Stable Scoop. It's Tack and Habit, where we get to talk about stuff. This Tack and Habit segment is sponsored by Kentucky Performance Products. Well, if you're a regular listener to the show, you know we talk a lot about Kentucky Performance Products, and that's because they are a name you can trust to give you the most value for your supplement money. Kentucky Performance Products offer supplements designed to target specific problems that are made with high-quality ingredients included at effective levels. The company's supplements are intended to complement, not compete, with your dressage horse's current feeding program, guarding against over-supplementation, and each product is backed by sound research and the money-back satisfaction guarantee. And today, we'd like to talk to you about Nalox, the original equine antacid. It's recommended by veterinarians and leading horsemen as a way of maintaining a healthy stomach, which reduces the risk of ulcers. Nalox can be given daily to horses exposed to stressful conditions or as needed when shipping, competing, or during stall confinement. You know, you can learn about Nalox and all the products at Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. That's Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. We have something that I'm very excited about. Uh, We're going to talk about the White Sierra Women's Rain Jacket, and it's from Sierra Trading Post. I have to give you a quick backstory. I had um, my mother-in-law gave me a jacket, rain jacket, years ago from the Black Dog, which is a a shop. It's like a tourist shop in Martha's Vineyard, but it was a one of those rubber rain jackets, and it was men's size. And I I don't know why I'm five two. I don't know why she keeps buying me men's clothing, but she does. Anyway, I wore this thing because I had nothing else to keep me dry. And it was big and I could wear it, you know, I could wear sweaters under it, whatever. And the sleeves were long. And despite the fact that I absolutely hate, and it was bright orange, but despite the fact that I absolutely hated this thing, I wore it because it kept me dry. And it really served a purpose, but it was awesome to wear in the barn. Um, hay didn't stick to it. Uh, shavings didn't stick to it. I I could get rained on. It had a hood. Well, finally, this thing shredded. It it ripped on a nail or something, and I had nothing to keep me dry. And I thought, well, goodness, how am I going to find something that's going to live up to that? Yeah, it's a tall order. So I went online, and I started to search, and I searched, and I searched, and I searched. And I'll tell you, probably four or five months, I searched for a rain. It, it took you four or five months because you couldn't stand up. <laughs> you were lame on stall rest. I don't have a lot of time to. 
around here, living out where I live, it's not like you can get to the store easily. Like the nearest civilization is 14, 15 miles away. So any hoodles, I went to Sierra Trading Post because Glenn sometimes buys some, some things from there and he's mentioned it before. Yeah, I like Sierra Trading Post a lot. Yeah. And I said, well, let's just see what they have. And, you know, we went to Burlington Coat Factory, nothing there, you know. And, and I, I certainly didn't want to spend $300 for a raincoat. No. So I found and ordered this uh, rain jacket. And it's, again, it's, the, it's made by White Sierra. And this particular model is called the Junket. I don't know what that means or why they... They have modern variations on it. And, and in fact, if you go to Sierra Trading Post now, you will find this jacket in the closeout section. And it's like $50. Okay. I bought it. I think I bought it, you know, maybe two or three months ago for like $69, $79. Um, wow. what's, what's great about it? Okay. First of all, it's super cute and it comes in three colors. <laughs> it, I bought it in a powder blue. It comes in a, a berry pink and then sort of a forest green. It is a waterproof and breathable jacket. Amen. We buy that for our horses. We should have it for ourselves. Breathable. Yep. Waterproof. Really? Yes. It, um, it has a fully seam sealed construction. So all the seams are sealed, which means you're not going to get water leakage in through the seams. This particular model is longer cut for added coverage. I like my tushy to stay dry. <laughs> and the yeah, front I see of my- you, you, you gave me a picture here in the show notes. That's nice because there's nothing worse than a wretched downpour. And you have one of the, a shorter jacket on. And it pretty much just runs down the waistband of your jeans. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's and lovely. Your, your thighs get soaked because those are, those are obviously, you know, as you're walking and moving, those move out from underneath the protection of the jacket. So yeah. this little bit of extra coverage, believe it or not, really makes a difference in keeping you, you happy and, and dry. Um, it's mesh lined, so it, it, it just the, the, you get that airflow underneath, you know, inside, mm-hmm. so you don't work up a sweat. It is super, super light. And I would hmm. think that this material, the fabric being so fine, that it would, A, be really flimsy, and uh, B, wouldn't be waterproof. Well, we had some serious rain last week, and I wore this thing out. I did my barn chores in it. I had the horses out in the backfield. I had to bring horses in in it. I did not get wet. Um, the, the, the jacket did get sort of heavy with the water. Like you could feel that it was because it's so light, you could feel the water sitting on it, mm-hmm. but it never penetrated the material. I never got wet inside. And then mm. it dried really fast. So does it, get my head around how this works, so does it have the waterproofness on the inside membrane membrane like a horse blanket does? I don't know where the waterproofness is. <laughs> is that a word, waterproofness? It is if you want it to be. Okay, it is for the day. Um, that's our word of the day, folks, waterproofness. I will look that up in my thesaurus later. Because um, a horse blanket, depending on the brand, frequently the exterior sur- surface of the blanket isn't what's waterproof. There's a membrane on the inside, which is usually permanently bonded to the exterior surface, mm-hmm. that makes it waterproof. And that would explain why you feel a change in the weight is that, you know, three millimeters of exterior surface that's not waterproof can hold moisture, mm, that's which is why it feels heavier versus an old-fashioned plasticky, rubbery raincoat, which doesn't breathe. Well, now that you explain that, yes, I'm going to say that that is exactly how it felt. It felt like... But yes, that's exactly how it felt. You didn't feel wet, but the jacket did. The ja- exactly. Yeah, exactly. that's why. It, so it is. It's the same. And I'm sure the horse blankets came from the jackets, not the other way around. Um, so it's that same type of technology. So did it come with strong warnings to not wash it in hot water or dry it? No, it didn't. Really? It didn't. It said, I should go. I, oh, it says, oh, wait a minute. You know what? It does. It says machine wash, hang dry. There you go. Okay. But it's, um, I mean, that's like anything. You put it in the dryer and it's going to compromise whatever whatever technical qualities the yeah. has. Well, I, I learned that last week on Stable Scoop from Fred's to the Rescue Blanket Wash and Repairman. Oh. That um, the quickest way to ruin the waterproofness of your horse blanket is to expose it to excessive heat. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So that would kind of make sense. Yes. The, um, Interesting. The other nice thing about this jacket is, well, number one, the lightness. So it does not hinder your 
um, you know, you can lift bales of hay in it, and it doesn't get in your way. You can. And see- it looks very sleek. It's it's doesn't it's not bulky and puffy. It is not bulky and puffy, and that's the thing is now this is a I think I believe I ordered this. That's a medium, and I'm small, so that means they run small. Mm-hmm. But it yeah. looks like it fits you beautifully across the shoulders, but the, the arms aren't giant and willing to catch on everything in sight, you know, catch on door latches and stuff. And you notice the hood, it's cut back near the ears, so your eyesight, your vision you is can not see. So you can see when pie's coming around the corner ready to cause mischief. Damn straight. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, and it really now, is, I, I like, a, I, I thought this is when it arrived at my door and I, I put it on, I said, there's no way I could have gotten this lucky. I mean, I literally, like said, okay, how about this one? I think it has what I need. And it, it's not restrictive across the chest. I mean, I don't have big boobs. Um, but, you know, so if you're a little bit more well-endowed, like if you're like a C cup or bigger, go for the bigger size, just so you have that room, you know, it's not mm-hmm. stretched up. Well, it, it's not that old-fashioned puffy cut that we're so used to in rainwear. Right. If you're, you know, if you're a horse person, our rainwear tend to, tends to have an agricultural pattern. Yes. Yes. <laughs> In other or, words, it's made for farmers with big beer bellies. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, and that was a bit, an, an added plus. Now, one of the things I, I was hoping, because that previous jacket I was ta- telling you about was bright orange, it was great to wear while riding in the woods during hunting season. Um, it was oh. also good to... If I walk like I walk on the roads for exercise, mm-hmm. it's great to have that high visibility. I, I was hoping to find an equally bright jacket. Now, this color blue happens to be one of my favorite colors. Um, I might go for the hot pink. That'll do. Pink. Sure. You can wear that on the trails. But anyway, so um, I think with the color options, the technical options, and the adorable fit, I think for the price, this is worth it. Log on to SierraTradingPost.com. You can look for the White Sierra Junket, J-U-N-K-E-T, rainwear jacket. Uh, It is on closeout, so there might not be many left. However, there are newer models. So uh, I definitely just suggest the White Sierra brand of waterproof rainwear. Ta-da! right. Cool. And that's today's Tack and Habit. And uh, what do you think? Are we... Talking about in the beginning of the show, um, we have we we have to do our non tech pick. Our non tech pick. Okay, what is that? Uh, well, since Glenn does the the tech pick, right? And I do not do the tech pick because you're the last person. I'm the last person in the world you want p- picking out anything technical. That's <laughs> true. Um, we thought, well, I can do a training tip. I feel a little more qualified. Oh, there. right, right, right. Yeah, a little more qualified. Okay, so um, you have actually we had this. this it goes um, coincides with a video that's been going around on, on Facebook. Let's let's hear your training question of the week. Oh, no, 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 find it. <laughs> I wonder. I, it sounds so good the way Glenn read it. Well, or wrote it down for me. It's it's oh. there. The, I'll, I'll set it up there. The video that's going around and is also available at the Stable Scoop face pa- Facebook page is of a girl. A, a girl. She's a woman riding a uh, <laughs> jumping class. After she loses her stirrups. Now, I've seen this video, and um, I, I don't know which is more impressive, the fences that she takes without her stirrups or the recovery that <laughs> took place after she lost them. Um, but we'll, we'll let our, our listeners discuss that offline. But the question was, how often and what should you practice without stirrups? Ooh, there's a good one. Uh, and I have seen this video. And I can see why people call say that this girl, because she... You know how people look when they're in riding helmets. You look, everybody yes. looks like they're 12. Yes. And she has these cute little rosy cheeks. Um, but, yeah, she was in a significantly large jumper class, and the horse jumped her out of the tack just a wee bit over one of the fences, and both stirrups, she almost came off unglued. She had one knee on the pommel. One knee, and, and she wasn't yeah. even holding on to his mouth. Like, how did she, she had one hand on his neck? She has a set of biceps, too, that girl, because oh she pulled God. herself up by her, her knee and her arm. She at didn't a pull on the reins at a gallop. <laughs> And finish the round. Um, so obviously, riding without stirrups is part of this young lady's regular regime. Um, and I, I, from my personal point of view, I don't think that riding without stirrups gets quite the emphasis it should. Um, riding without stirrups does a lot of things. It 
strengthens your legs, obviously. It will strengthen your core because if you're doing sitting trot work and you're doing posting trot work and you're doing canter work, if you don't have your core, your spine, your waist, your shoulders in alignment properly, you're not going to stay on regardless of how hard you squeeze your knees. People have the false impression that riding without stirrups is all about your knees, Mm. and it's not. Um, Imagine an old-fashioned clothespin that you put on a clothesline to hang up clothes. Mm -hmm. Not the one with the hinge, but the old-fashioned one shaped like a V. I'm going to date myself here. If you take a T-shirt and you mash down a a, a clip or a... um, a clothespin on there, it stays reasonably well, which is what happens when you have a tall person ride a skinny horse. But that's like a five foot seven person on a 12 hand pony. <laughs> it's not the real world. Um, you put it over a bath towel, which is really about the ratio you would have with your average sized person on your average sized horse barrel. Um, if that thing gets to flapping in the wind, it's going to come off. That, oh, that clip but, is just going to get yanked right off. Right, okay. Right? Mm-hmm. So no matter how hard you squeeze your knees on a horse, that's not what keep, keeps you on. When you ride without your stirrups, you maintain the same position you would if you had your stirrups. All of those alignments r- should remain the same. What happens, though, is by not having your stirrups, you it's a little bit like trying to walk with your eyes closed. You have a greater feel for... It's, well, it's going to cause your brain to think of balance a little bit differently. It's, it's going to help train your brain um, and your system of, in, of inner balance to stay on the horse better. Um, so even if you don't feel like you need to, quote, strengthen how hard you squeeze your knees into the saddle, you still need to practice without your stirrups. If you watch this young lady in the video... Um, when she loses both of her stirrups in about fence three or so, you will notice that her lower leg position is stronger without the stirrups. Yeah. Yes? Which tells me if you're practicing without the stirrups, you are going to develop better lower leg position than you are if you practice with your stirrups. Because when you have your stirrups there, you can pinch your knee in, and let your calf do whatever it darn well pleases. It kind of goes wild. You take the stirrup iron away, you removed that crutch for your lower leg. You need to keep your calf on the horse or you're going to come unglued because your knee just acts like a pivot. Right. It, it actually then, pushes you. It makes it worse. It makes things worse, especially over fences. And if you're not a jumper, um, practicing over um, ground poles at the canter, um, practicing simple... Gymnastics for the human, for example, touching the horse's ears and leaning back, those things that we do on a lunge line, yeah. excellent without your stirrups, even though, even if, so if you don't jump, you can still do those core strengthening exercises and balance strengthening exercises that give you that same um, strength of lower leg, and that's strength as in balance and position versus strength in muscle power. And one of the things I notice when I ride without stirrups is that I have a much more... Um, I don't want to say, I have a much more complete feel of my horse's side. Like I, there, I use mm-hmm. more of my leg. Absolutely. So again, if you take that, that iron away, um, the focus is not on the, the knee. And so I feel more um, inner thigh contact, more lower calf contact. And, and it's almost like it gives me the chance, it gives me the opportunity to feel those different points of contact along the length of my leg. Mm-hmm. And because I can feel them, I can isolate them, and when I can isolate them, I can use them based on whatever I'm asking my horse to do. But it's like you have to keep doing it because if I don't ride without stirrups for a while, like say a couple of months, um, I lose it. It's like you, you, so even though I think, oh, I've done all that, you know, I've paid my dues and done my no stirrups work, mm-hmm. it's, I hate to say it, but you kind of have to keep doing it. It's just like, you know, you, you sure. have to keep that muscle doing it. Right, cross-training for your brain cells as well as your muscles. And part of the question was, how often should I do this? Well, that depends on what you want to address. If you do it often for short periods of time, you are going to address a different part of your brain and your learning center than you are if you do it for once a week for 25 minutes. I, for example, I practice it very nearly every time I ride. 
because I tend to be very crooked. Um, I have a lot of injuries on one side of my body. And those injuries tend to cause me to ride in a crooked fashion. So by taking my feet out of the stirrups, I can ride straighter. But what I do is I ride without the stirrups for three or four minutes, put them back in, and I can feel the change in my balance and the change the way I'm sitting on the horse. Okay, that's not the change I want to drop them back out, get straight again, put them back in, maintain the straight. And I can go back and forth between the two to improve how straight I get. Now, we've, we've had discussions with various experts, and Daniel Stewart comes to mind, about uh, straightness or lack thereof and how many riders actually don't have that straightness. So it sounds to me like uh, that's a pretty good sort of, you know, every, every time you do get an attack is to do that, drop your stirrups, right. ride for a few minutes. But, um, you know, at what gates? At all gates? At the walk, trot, canter? It depends, it depends on how your your level of comfort, competency, and um, courage. Mm-hmm. If, if you're dealing with um, straightness issues, whether that straightness is longitudinal or lateral, front to back, because you tip forward or back, left to right like I do, um, don't be practicing it at a trot if all you can do is hang on for dear life at the trot. <laughs> Practice it at gates at which you feel confident and comfortable. So that's going to depend on the individual human. It's just that... Perfect practice makes perfect. If I ride with my stirrups all of the time and I don't keep checking back for that straightness laterally, I lose track mentally of whether or not I really am straight. So 80% of my practice, I'm wrong. Well, I'm not practicing at all. So that's one aspect. The other aspect is if you practice it for 25 minutes straight twice a week, there you're dealing with muscle strength and muscle memory. You put those muscles in an area where they need to work hard. The correct muscles need to work hard. And what will happen is we've seen with, men, with our horses, if you allow the muscles that you don't want to work hard, work them long enough that they become exhausted, mm-hmm. <laughs> by necessity your body will start to use the correct muscles that you're asking for because the ones that aren't supposed to be working just plain old wear out. That's what I call the George Morris method. Okay. <laughs> You just keep posting trot until you're so exhausted, and that will create both muscle strength and muscle memory. So that's a completely different aspect of what riding without stirrups can benefit. So really, like you said, it depends on what What you want to accomplish. What you want to accomplish. So there's like, I mean, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about supplements, and you have that loading dose when when you actually have to build up. Uh, you know, the amount of supplements and nutrients in your horse's body, you kind of go hard and heavy for... I like that. Right? Yeah, loading dose. Loading dose of, <laughs> of no stirrups work. So you got it. So you're building muscles, you're strengthening. And Versus then you, maintenance. You have this maintenance. And um, that's not to say you don't need the muscle strengthening every now and again, but um, it's at least worth the muscle, the maintenance program. Right. And just because you don't jump jumps doesn't mean you shouldn't practice riding without your stirrups no i mean this is good for half passes and uh half halt even hello it's good for trail riders it's good for trail (laughs) you know it's funny because i used to when when um when i first started hunting uh i had really only had i didn't have much of a jumping background i had really only had uh the the basics in dressage and i remember laughing saying thank god i had dressage training because I'm like leg yielding around rocks and muddy, you know, things. <laughs> Thank God I had the lateral work because, you know, yes, your horse makes a lot of the decisions out there, but you, you definitely need a nice lateral leg. <laughs> yes. To not crash sometimes. That's right. It's all about the cross training. Um, all right. Well, that's a, I mean, fabulous discussion. So no stirrups work. Go to stablescoop.com or find us on Facebook under Stable Scoop and you'll be able to see that video because it is pretty amazing. And Definitely a testimony to doing some no stirrups work. Thank you, Jen. That was a great, uh, great answer to the question of the week. There we go. And we have eaten up over an hour of stable yeah. scoop this week. We, we gabbed. We do. We, and the funny thing is, it's like, you know, it doesn't help that I haven't talked to you in a couple of weeks either. So yeah. I feel like we're catching up here. Um, if you want details about today's show, as I said, go to stablescoop.com. Gosh, we've been talking so much, I can't even talk anymore. Uh, you will find links, photos, and more information about today's guest. And we do love your feedback. So please follow us. Friend us on Facebook. We're at Stable Scoop. 
We send out tweets on Twitter at Force Radio. Uh, you can send me email at Paulina at ForceRadioNetwork.com. There's also Glenn at ForceRadioNetwork.com. Many thanks to Coach Jen for joining me today in Glenn's absence. I think this went pretty well. What do you think? It's great to be here. It was fun. Good, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Don't forget to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network. Our URL there is horseradionetwork.com. And Jen, I think that's it for this week. (laughs) Thanks to everyone for joining us, and we will be back next week with more.